0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. In this episode, we get an update from Christy. We, of course, have been following along for, I think, like three years or so. This year, we're working on the growth trifecta case study. We're getting an update for May 2022. And Christy, how's it going today?
1: Hey, it's going pretty well. How's it going with you? Hmm?
0: Pretty good. I actually just brewed a batch of beer and we're recording it like 10 in the morning. So I woke up early and got everything going, but yeah, it was it was uh, a good brew day. I still have to clean up after we finished though.
1: <laughs> I remember that was one of the first things we talked about when we met years ago in Bozeman, because you were all about it.
0: Yeah. And I, I used to brew like all the time and I would brew a ton back in Atlanta, maybe every two weeks or so, or every week if I, if I was really ambitious and I was able to do these sort of smaller batches on the apartment electric stove, just because it was only like five gallons. And I would brew during the workday, which was pretty fun. I'd have my laptop set up and I'd kind of run back and forth.
1: So you couldn't do that at the office?
0: Yeah. No, you couldn't do that at the office. And now it's, you know, really nice weather, especially in the morning. So I was like, I I just got to get back into it. You know, the worst thing is if you run out of beer, basically. That's right. Enough (laughs) said. So I was chatting with, um, I was interviewed not too long ago and someone took a look at my blog and they saw the growth trifecta case study and they thought, well, they didn't do very good research. They said, Oh, you have this concept, the growth, tri- growth trifecta. And I was mm-hmm. like, actually, that's just a case study. I, I don't even know what the three things are. <laughs> I don't even remember. Cause I, I didn't name it. So yeah. what, what are the three things in the trifecta here?
1: Sure. So the first part is new content, right? So adding new SEO driven content. Uh, the second part is improving existing content. So trying to get more dollars out of every blog post I already have. And then the third part is selling my own products. So diversifying out of affiliate and ad sales and going to things like courses, guides, and other things like that.
0: Got it. Okay, perfect. That makes sense. You're
1: welcome to take credit for the trifecta if you want to.
0: I mean, that it's actually directly from some of the stuff that I teach anyway. So mm-hmm. you just named it trifecta. So I like naming it. It's a smart thing to do. So looking at the graph, which you, you wrote a blog post. So we're going to link up to that so people can get a little bit more detail here. January and February of 2022 took a little bit of a hit we kind of went backwards a little bit and i think part of that was due to the december google algorithm update traffic was down a little bit and then of course we've had generally affiliate revenue is down a little bit especially i think on the amazon side however this past month in may it looks like you're kind of running even uh, from the last three months, about $5,700, uh, 5800 or so from March, April, May. So can you talk about the earnings this past month, sort of the trajectory in the past quarter, basically?
1: Sure. So like you said, January, February were lagging behind what I thought they would be. So those two were under $5,000 and that'd been the first time I've been under five in a while. So uh, that made me a little bit worried. But then it did tick back up to about 5,700 uh, consistently for the last three months. So it has stayed pretty steady. The split between ads and Amazon is usually like almost exactly 50 50, historically speaking. So, like all of last year, that's pretty much how it was. This year, Amazon's definitely been down. So, ads have been higher. For example, um, in May, Amazon was 2,500 and ads were 2,800. So, almost all of the loss that I'm seeing over last year is on the Amazon side.
0: Okay. Gotcha. And is there anything specific that you could put your finger on? I know, I think in the past we've talked about looking at certain posts that were ranking better in the past that were driven by affiliate revenue anything stand out to you now?
1: I really can't see anything that's a clear indicator of why it would be happening. I just see generally every single day, lower income from Amazon. So like, I don't know if people are purchasing less period, (laughs) you know, if they're going for one thing and then they're actually just getting that one thing instead of getting 50 things like they used to. Um, So it's just hard to tell, but in general, you know, the Amazon stuff is just really lagging. Hmm?
0: Okay. You did cross over a threshold for lifetime earnings, which is arbitrary, but it's a nice round number. So what what lifetime earnings did you cross over to?
1: Yep. So it crossed over 150,000 for the little baby site that I started with like four posts. So that's so crazy.
0: Yeah. It adds up over time. Yeah. Hmm. What about traffic? How's it looking? Is it um, growing? I know there's perhaps a seasonal component occasionally for this niche.
1: Yeah, occasionally. Um, It was up a little bit from last month. So last month was 105,000 and this month was 107.
0: Okay. And when you look at both traffic and earnings from last year in May, where, where are we at
1: Yep, so earnings last year were sixty six hundred. So a little under a thousand off last year for earnings. And then traffic is a little bit iffy because we had a traffic fiasco last year at this time. <laughs> you could read all about that on the updates. Uh-huh. It was dire. Um, but anyway, it ended up being fine. Just a reporting error. So I'm guessing it's around a hundred and nine is what we tracked last year but it was probably higher so it's probably down off of last year got it okay so but trending up for this year so that's
0: good perfect and finally expenses i know last month in april expenses were kind of high you know you were you were paying for stuff for work that's going to happen in the future so that's just a thing you have to do so where, where were we at this month
1: it was a little bit more reasonable this month, uh, 5190 for expenses. And of that, uh, 1200 was to have someone clean up my second course content so that I could actually get it out there. So that was also a one-time expense. Um, there was about $2,200, I think, in new content spending, so for writers. Um, and that was expected.
0: Got it. So 12 hours for content cleanup. So it's a hundred bucks an hour for content cleanup and organization. So is this a pretty high level person?
1: Yeah. So this is someone that I actually got introduced to, um, from the big apparel brand that I'm writing for that I met through the site. Okay. So this was one of their old writers. Um, and so I felt like, yeah, like I just literally handed it off. I was like, please make this not trash. Okay. Like write the, write it so that it makes sense, like make transitions, clean it up. And then I literally didn't look at it again. I just sent it to my team and was like, put it in Teachable. Well,
0: let's, let's jump ahead and talk about the course then. So why was the course in such rough shape and why did it need such Mm -hmm. a treatment?
1: Yep. So my grand plan back in the day, which I think we started this like more than a year and a half ago, was to trade with an expert on the topic to do the content because she had asked me to do some other marketing things for her. And I was like, Oh, this will be great. She knows all about it. This is the topic I want to do. Um, yeah. And then it ended up just being like, you're dealing with someone who also has a busy life and this isn't a priority, and they're not a writer for a living, and 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 and. So lesson learned, not worth it.
0: And sometimes that stuff can work out, but most of the time I want to pay for a service or pay, Mm -hmm. even if it's, you know, maybe a casual thing and I'll tell a quick story. So I now know how to live stream and I have video equipment and stuff like that. And I've done a lot of these. So I I know how to do a live stream for YouTube and I'm not, Mm -hmm. I haven't done it where I feel like I'm an an actual expert where I can go in and like tell someone exactly how to live stream. But Mm -hmm. recently there was a, uh, a choral orchestra concert they needed to live stream and they got a quote. It's like $1,200 far -hmm. beyond their budget. It's a nonprofit. So I was i guess on someone's list and they were like check with doug so i was <laughs> like ah, i i could i maybe can do it i was like i'm not the right person i have the equipment but i'm not the right, right. person i don't do this kind of stuff you should find someone else but basically they were like well either we're not going to do it at all or right some um, out of our budget so basically i could have done it for free but it, it does take time so i was like mm-hmm. i'll i'll meet your budget a little bit less than that. Mm -hmm. But the point is they paid me. So I took it seriously versus Mm -hmm. like just bartering where if they just gave me free tickets for a while, I'm like, ah, they're just giving me, you know, extra tickets. It's not. So anyway, paying and making it a professional transaction changes how the interaction is. Any thoughts?
1: It's true. Yeah. I think for me where I get a little stuck is that I sometimes need experts and, those people are not writers or they don't do videos. Right. And so it's a little bit like, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else to do it. Like I can't go on Upwork and find an expert in this topic who makes great videos. It's not a thing. So yeah, yep. but it was a real pain.
0: Okay. So 12 hours, 1200 bucks, somebody fixed mm-hmm. it up. What's going on with the course right now?
1: So, it's now all in Teachable, so that's good. Um, Side note, we also got our Teachable subscription downgraded, which is very good. So, we were paying 120 bucks a month, which was just making me insane. And now we're back to 30 bucks, which is fine. So, that's good. Um, But yeah, so it's sitting in Teachable. I have two videos to add and then throw in some imagery, and I'm waiting on a draft of the sale page from my team and then we should be done
0: okay what's your target for launching
1: last year (laughs) (laughs) technically um yeah i mean i want this thing off my list so june would be great
0: all right the next three weeks realistic okay Here's a word from Otis Global, that's O-D-Y-S global, and they're the source for premium age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The feature domain for today is, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Adaplo, A-D-A-P-L-O dot com, and it was a domain that automated Google Ads and the campaign management tool targeted at e commerce marketers. So pretty niche kind of tool. And the site was focused on the product itself and didn't have any supporting informational articles. It's back from 2015. And it is a pretty fairly reasonable price. It's under 2000 bucks at this point in time. So yeah, it's back from 2015, seven years old domain rating as reported by Ahrefs is 26. And the domain authority is also 26. So it's a pretty brandable name, although I I don't know that it has a specific meaning or anything like that. But it is uh, something that you could build on top of. So if you do, well, like all H domains, of course, you could build on top of it. So there's a, uh, you know, the SaaS tool that serves the market. And if if you actually had a SaaS tool that was specifically in competition with this old site or this old tool, then you could jump right in. Alternatively, if you were sort of like an ad manager type, or maybe you work at a marketing agency, or maybe you have a marketing agency, this could be an interesting site to pull on because then you could sell your services. Of course, from a content standpoint, you could write tons of informational content about running ads. You could branch out into like broad marketing topics, email marketing, just digital marketing and you could promote relevant digital courses as well. There's a ton of backlinks out here. We have 93 referring domains. About 66 of those are do follow. We're talking medium.com, Sumrush, Magento, Product Hunt, write.com, Clipfolio, Warrior Forum. Oh, that site's still around, huh? So there's a bunch of others out here and there are, lots of branded anchor text out there still indexed in google and if you join otis using my affiliate link you can get a hundred dollars into your account and if you buy something i might get a commission so thanks a lot to otis global for sponsoring let's get back to the show all right so part of this is coaching and i will preface this i think christy you already know the point that i'm going to make here Mm -hmm but it could be the first time that people are hearing sure. about this. And I'm, I'm prefacing and saying it's coaching because at some point someone said, Doug, you're being so hard on this person. Why are you such an <laughs> asshole? And I'm like, well, uh, that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm not, I'm you're not still telling friends. you what to You can to be
1: do. an asshole. It's all I'm right. Just,
0: mm-hmm. pre- I'm, I'm, I'm illustrating certain choices that you can make. And then you made your own choices.
1: Do you want uh, me to guess?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Wait, what do you
1: got? Okay. I feel like you're gonna say I should have pre-sold the course to see if people would buy it. I should not have bartered for any of the content, and I should not make it so perfect so it would have been done last year.
0: Am I close? Yep. Yeah. Is it the it, Doug Trifecta? It's it's mainly the the first the first part. So uh-huh. in, in I'll we'll go through this in a painstaking way, but quickly, how mm-hmm. much have you spent on? the course, not even including teachable fees, but how much for content and like this twelve hundred bucks and then the other stuff. I want to say it's like three to four thousand bucks. Probably. Okay. Three to four thousand dollars. You actually have sold a handful of them and I think you've made, if I had to guess, like two to twenty five hundred.
1: Um for courses over time. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's around okay. two. So you're still in the whole a thousand to two thousand bucks. Which I think if you do a regular launch, you can get that back
1: Mm -hmm. in
0: the next year. I I think that is not out of the question, especially with two courses. Agreed. You'll get better with launching and so on. However, the better way to do a course or many digital products is to pre-sell it. It's generally what Teachable, Kajabi, Thinkific, it's generally how they teach it so that you don't Invest all this time and money for something that you're not mm-hmm. sure if someone wants. So, I won't go into super detail, but basically, you create an outline, you create the sales page, mm-hmm. you let the people know. I will work on this. It'll it'll uh, be drip fed out over the course of six weeks or whatever the right amount is. And the point is, you set a threshold. I want to sell 10 of these. If I sell 10, I'll develop the course. If I don't meet my goal, then I won't do it. And mm-hmm. part of what we've talked about before is you're like, I'm not sure if I'm a digital course person. Cause this is like pushing a boulder uphill. Like nothing has gone right along the way. And maybe you're not like there's, I, mm-hmm. it's a great profit margin and it helps your audience out. And you have a lot of insight on what the audience needs and what they want to learn but it's not for everyone maybe mm-hmm. you know it's just a personality thing or what you want to spend your time on so i don't fault anyone if they're like course this sounds like a lot of work this sounds bad but there's definitely another way to do it so mm-hmm. number 1 you wouldn't be in the hole financially and number 2 maybe you would have realized that you just don't like the business model and you're like eh, i'm not going to do it cuz if you consider the teachable payments too that's another 1200 bucks probably, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. now now we're at $4,000 to $5,000. And it's like, ah. Um, any thoughts on that? We've gone through it a million times, but we just yeah. work differently too.
1: No, I think that's true. Um, I think the broader question that I'm now having with my audience is like, do they buy anything? Right? Anything. Because... We can send out emails about things in the knowledge directory. We can send out emails about, you know, guides, whatever. And there's not some huge response to that. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I have a good size list. Like we'll probably be at 5,000 subscribers next month, which I think is pretty good for a site my size. Like it seems pretty good. Yeah. Um, But I don't know that these people are converting people for anything really, you know? So that's a little bit why I'm also like, I don't know if this is going to be worth it because I could send out as many emails as I want to this magical list that should be the most engaged people I have. And they're still not going to buy stuff.
0: So. Right. Yeah. And it it is, it's interesting because I, you know, I'm into, we'll talk about beer again. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the home brewing community and a lot of us are sort of budget minded do-it-yourselfers and we'd rather you know run to Home Depot and put together a Frankenstein system mm-hmm. of whatever versus paying a premium for you know something that's already built. Now as I've gone through my brewing career and some of the companies have become More sophisticated with the products that they have. And frankly, I have more disposable income now. So I'm more likely to just buy something that's a a good product Mm -hmm. to just save time. So that said, brewing beer is often like a kind of a luxury. um, It it can be economic, but it is Mm -hmm. a luxury sort of hobby where sometimes people can be price insensitive if they get, you know, if they go off the deep end. Like, Mm -hmm. like me, I think your niche might be the same way where it's like, maybe there's some do it yourself kind of ideas and they want to be frugal, but it's also like potentially a pretty expensive hobby to have. Am I, is that accurate? Do you see some people spend a lot? Oh yeah. So what I'm getting at is it could be the, the email list has been built on the content that maybe attracted the people that weren't spending as much. Correct. Is there any correlate like
1: is there anything so. that you could draw I mean, from that? Yeah, our main lead magnet for joining the list is about saving money. Okay. So there, so there you go. So I think that could be correlated for sure. Um what I don't know is like things like guides are eight bucks. Right, right. So, mm, right. It's been on different topics, different things. Um, my gut says that on the course side, people want video courses. Period. Especially, I would say in my niche, um, it's pretty visual. You know, and so people want a bunch of video. Well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. I'm not an expert on the things. Like, I would have to get an expert on every topic. Who also does video? Like I'm going to be in way more than five thousand dollars to get somebody to make all nice video for an expert to stand there and talk. So without seeing any like major traction on it, I just don't know that I would do that. Mm-hmm. I would still potentially think about like maybe some really small specific video courses. You know, if there was a topic like that where it's like, well, you do some, you do some like mm-hmm. mini mini courses. Right. Um, but yeah, like I just think what people are willing to pay for is video, which is fine, but that's not logistically something I can do.
0: Got it. Okay. So anything else on the the course uh, topic or anything like that?
1: I don't think so. I feel good about having at least enough content on the site that's related that I can promote it through. So I did... I think a good job of picking topics where I have a lot of supporting content um, that can lead people to that. So that's good. And then the only other thing I was going to say is we have um, our first like free email course went live uh, at the very end of May that relates at the very end funnels people to the first course. And then we have a second free e horse coming in June and that will funnel people to the second one. So trying to just keep that related to each topic um, and try to get people there in a different way.
0: Cool. That's great. I think having the specific funnel that is created specifically for that course, strategically, it totally makes sense. For both of those mini courses, do you think there's an opportunity to have them shared by influencers, uh, other sources of traffic a- aside from Google so that you can, you know, I know you have a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. so that could be a great way where it's just like get people on the email list. It's a free mini course. It does help you out. You could even... um Yeah. I'll leave it at that. But yeah. Would people share that around? Is it that kind of value?
1: Um, potentially I would see it as being a little lighter on value than I would have liked. I did not write it, uh, myself. So I would probably want to make it twice as good before I would ask any like brand that I had a relationship with to share it. So it's just weighing like, do I put that much more effort into it or not? I don't know.
0: Gotcha. And how long is the mini course? Um, like six email,
1: six email drip, I think.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right. And is that already rolled out? People can sign up and. So I put,
1: in? yeah, so I put calls to action, like the little mailer light embedded form thing um, in 12 to 15 relevant posts for that first one. And then the second one I'm hoping to put out in June but it was like the last three days of May. So
0: do you have a mechanism to allow your existing email subscribers to go through it? Did you point it out and say, Hey, if you, you can go over here, if you want to check it out and just have them opt into it.
1: I don't think we have sent an email to everyone, but that's a good idea.
0: And the idea of course is it's the proper funnel to sell the course. Yeah. And if they're engaged and they got the value, then yep. it does take them through a little journey where maybe they can learn something and maybe the course is a good fit for them, but they needed to see it a couple times, a couple launches yep. maybe, and then go through a course.
1: So the other thing on the email front um, is that I need to replace the gal who's been doing all of my email so she had a baby and has another job and all the things. Um, so I'm going to have to train someone else on a system that I didn't set up. So that's going to be happening. <laughs> so there may not be as many emails in June because we'll be doing that.
0: And when you say a system that you didn't set up, so it's like through. Like Light. Okay. So yeah. you just don't like know standard stuff,
1: I've just not used it.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that could be slightly more difficult. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I mean, most of those apps are so straightforward. Like there's a couple
1: little things. They have a course that I've sent the new gal and I was like, start here.
0: Perfect. (laughs) So. All right. Let's move on to content. So the initial target was to publish 400 articles by the end of, I think, June and you Mm -hmm. you throttled back quite a bit. So how much did you publish in the last month, and where are we in the grand total?
1: So this was our highest month for publishing. So we put out 55 new articles in May, and that makes it a total of 130 new for the year. So yeah, pretty decent. I mean, when I compare it to anything that we've done in the past, like the most articles I had on the site, the first full year was like 85. So it is significant. Um, the site is now over 615 posts, I think. Wow. Total.
0: All right. So, and and you had, so 130 total and you had roughly 400 before, is that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've added like 20, you know, 5% ish yep. something like that okay pretty cool and then do you have a handle on whether or not those posts are pulling in traffic yet
1: so i have my developer working on two custom reports for me one of which will track all the new content that we have posted for the year and the other one will track all of the improved content posts so i'll have both of those in june
0: okay and i actually just created a video it's an eight minute video. This should be a really fast thing for someone to do. So if it's taking more than 15 minutes. Okay. If he charges you very much, you should ask questions Send actually send him my video. Okay. Um, because if he's doing anything else, then he's ripping you off.
1: Okay.
0: All right. And.
1: Oh, and everyone will be happy to know. The masses that we finally have serp robots set up okay. so yes
0: i am now tracking keywords everyone calm down <laughs> perfect so you will have some idea of rankings and i think it goes to show like some people get caught up in the analytics so much and i think you actually heeded my warnings and you like didn't look at metrics and analytics yep. very often and you just check in a couple times a month but you actually like now it would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's good to know, especially if traffic's going down or some, something is changing. It's like, Oh, that keyword dropped in rankings and you can get some data from the search console, but it's not quite as good. And anyway, Mm -hmm. Serp robot, you'll be in good shape here.
1: Yep. All
0: right. What's the target for uh, June as far as number of articles?
1: So I think we'll be around the same place. We should be at least in the 40 range. Um, I think my content manager is taking about a week off, which honestly was a relief and um, gave me a little break from publishing. But yeah, we should be around 40 to 50 articles, I would say, per month for as long as it takes to get through my list. So I think we'll probably still be at 400 pieces for the year, just not by June.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, if you if you keep going at the clip that you're at, it's not going to take very long. It'll just be a few more months here, you know, well yep. before the end of the year.
1: And it would have been that I would have done um like a holiday sprint later and now I'm just lumping it into like the broader group of 400, you know? So that would have been in Q3 anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're really just running through another quarter.
0: <laughs> okay. And no big deal. And I think we talked before yep. That you would maybe keep them publishing mm-hmm. um through just an ongoing yeah, basis. Just why less. Not?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. 10 articles a month or something, you know.
0: All right. Yeah. Onto existing content, you've added FAQs, there's more images, stuff like that. How's that going?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So the goal for the year was to improve a hundred articles. Um, you helped me prioritize which ones to start with. So I started with that list. And I've now put in FAQs, two new FAQs per article for the first 50. And I should have the second 50 done in June. And then I'm going to go back and do the images and like the intro tightening and things like that. So the FAQs were just so easy to drop in. I was like, I'm just going to run through the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so progress there halfway through
0: on adding FAQs. So one one thing you might consider nothing urgent, but mm-hmm. as your team is, you know, finishing up with publishing new content, writing the new content, it might be good to, instead of have instead of having them like write new content on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. assign a couple of them. And I think we talked about it before to just yeah. go back and improve the old yep. content. You will have a lot. And basically at this point, you have a, a lot of You'll have so much content that a couple people can just constantly go through and, you know, touch and update and and make Mm -hmm. sure. And the thing is there's been, you know, more and more people talking about you should spend 50% of your time updating old content and 50% on like the new content. So just something to think about.
1: And I'd see that maybe being the way that next year's focus goes is you know, I mean, not to be corny, but more juice for the squeeze. on what I already have, you know, 600 articles is a lot. And if it turns out that 300 of them are doing me no good, then I would rather, you know, I'm not starting from scratch on those. Those are things I could improve and potentially rank. So that does seem like a good place to spend time and potentially money.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. And... One one other thing to bring up, and I was chatting with, uh, actually a couple of people have mentioned this to me not too long ago, where the content side, especially publishing new content or not publishing any content for a while, it may take like six to 12 months. And I guess it goes for on-page and off-site SEO, mm-hmm. but if you you know don't publish too many new things like last year we focused a lot on other mm-hmm. areas plus you had the infrastructure issues the analytics yep. and some development things you had to take care of so really you know there wasn't too many like new mm-hmm. post published there there weren't very many i think you did the holiday sprint but yep. it was not much compared to the previous year so we don't see a huge amount of growth. It looks like maybe, you know, there was a one to 2% growth from last month, but you're publishing a ton of content and it may mm-hmm. just be a few months behind. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, hopefully we see a nice bump going into the fall, hopefully mm-hmm. sooner, but I think the fall is reasonable Yeah, and then it just keeps going. And then Of course, like we mentioned, if you're constantly improving the old stuff, you're publishing a few new things, there's always that, you know, good positive momentum. So
1: I'm curious what you think about, you know, like my assumption, which is apparently wrong, would be that, you know, doubled site revenue last year was kind of the goal, which happened. And I had kind of assumed like if I did nothing this year it would at least stay the same, right? Which has not been the case. So I'm caught a little bit in this place of like, well, how much do I have to do every year to keep the bucket from leaking versus actually growing it, right? So part of why I think this year has been a little frustrating is just like, I feel like I'm doing all this work just to try to get the site back to where it was this time last year, right? Without having really nothing happened, But, you know, I'm just like, do I have to do this every year for the rest of my life to keep the site where it is? Or is there at some point that, like, a site that's earning well consistently does that without you? Like, it's not feeling very passive at the moment because I'm doing a massive sprint, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a choice. But I also find myself wondering, like, is it going to be passive? Or if I don't do things with it all the time is it going to be a leaky bucket forever? Like,
0: what have you seen? So a couple things. First, I think like any kind of quote passive income source, there's always some maintenance. And I know Mm -hmm. you're not saying, hey, I just want to like leave for two years and Mm -hmm. not do anything. So I think once you have it dialed in, especially with like, I'm just going to make up the team. Let's say you have two people, that do 10 hours per week and they go and improve old content. So you got 20 hours per week going on and then you have maybe two writers that write, uh, two articles each. So you're publishing a decent amount on an ongoing basis. Things are being improved. You have a ton of keywords, blah, blah, blah. So once you have those people dialed in, I think it's okay. The, other side of the coin, right? I had a, a friend that I interviewed not too long ago. I think the interview is going to come out pretty soon. And he was one of the ones that mentioned his site sort of, it was a little stagnant. Mm-hmm. They were cruising. And then the next year, the lack of effort from the previous mm-hmm. year kicked in and it was just, you know, momentum taking them down. Meanwhile, there were, it was a much more competitive niche. Mm-hmm there were new competitors coming up with big budgets and a lot of motivation. And he was kind of at the end of his motivation. He really didn't care about the site anymore. So the point being, he realized that, you know, they should have done a little bit more maintenance. They kind of got complacent. So I think as long as you're doing some maintenance, you could be okay. Now, the other side of it is potentially, right? If you are able to, get traffic from other sources. If you're able to have like a diverse revenue stream, Mm -hmm. then it can be more passive. The Google updates won't impact you very much. And a lot of that is based on like just other traffic sources. So I I could tell you on niche site project, we've talked about it for years. Mm -hmm. I haven't published new things. You've written more in the last two years because you're you're doing case studies and I I'm doing, video and podcast and those represent other traffic sources. Mm-hmm. Podcast is totally independent. I mean that is an open RSS yep. feed like I could do whatever I want. Uh, YouTube is great. It's someone else's, you know, property that I'm building yep. on so there's risk there, but it represents a, you know, a new traffic source for me. Mm-hmm. So for the niche site project, I'm fairly in good I'm in good shape even though I haven't been doing very good SEO right. and my traffic has dwindled. And, and that's the thing you have to keep doing stuff to stay ahead of the Google mm-hmm. updates, I think. So it's really, you know, it's, it's how you architect in the, the traffic sources, I think. So if you could figure out other, th- like I mentioned before, Oh, what if you had like the social media influencers kind of send like maybe on an ongoing basis, send traffic to that funnel, and mm-hmm. then you grow the email list and 5,000 is p- a pretty decent size period. Yeah. But for a small niche, it's like your open rates are crazy too, like 30, 40%, mm-hmm. right?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So They're overall, reading.
1: They're just not buying. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But it's, good readers. It's, it's good engagement, but like you may be able to use that as like, a mechanism to create goodwill from the influencers. So Mm -hmm. like you send them some people, they send you some people and like it, it helps everyone out. But Mm -hmm. to answer your question, there's always some maintenance. Number one, number two, these sort of pure content sites where they're based Mm -hmm. on all Google traffic, it is a little more problematic. You do have to do a little bit more. Sometimes you'll end up doing a ton of work Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's not really doing much until much later and you're not the correlation and yeah. um, cause mm-hmm. and effect. It doesn't, you know, line up. The other part I'll bring up too, is you're doing some freelance writing, which is actually paying pretty well. Mm-hmm. And you have the the course that you're working on too. So it feels really busy. Mm-hmm. Can you talk just a little bit yeah. about the, uh, the freelance writing you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I developed a relationship with a a big brand in my niche through the site who had just like seen us posting. I think it was about our inclusivity project actually, um, on Instagram or something. I don't even know how they found us something social. And they'd reached out to say, Hey, we want to do like, you know, just like standard product review stuff. And I was like, interesting. Interesting. So I got a call with them and was just kind of asking them about their team. And I was like, tell me how many like, writers and designers you have. Like, What's the makeup? And they were like, we don't have a writer. <laughs> and I was shocked because that seems insane. So uh, that ended up snowballing into a friendship and a monthly retainer. And so now I write um, all of their emails and have been working on the catalog for the last week and a half. So it's turned into, you know, a monthly engagement. And if I count that in site revenue, which I kind of feel like I should, since it came from the site, you know, I mean, that's 4k a month ish, you know, Um, a lot of work, but it's also with like a really good brand. And I feel like I could build on that. So um, that is definitely something that has diversified my income away from like my main my main job, like my marketing company. So, um, I do feel good that I have like a couple of different buckets running, you know, and it's not something again, where like, I'm very lucky to be able to put money into the site. That's great. I think the feeling that I don't like is like never being caught up on the plan that I've made up from nothing. <laughs> right. So like I make these goals and I'm like, Oh, like, This course is never going to be out there or, you know, I'm behind on the content and it's like, that's a fake goal anyway. Like calm down. Yeah. So a little bit of that is just like who I am that I need to potentially tweak. Um, but yeah, like when I think about next year, I think like since I have people that I really like now and I have a content manager that causes me like zero heartache (laughs) ever, Like, can I just make a consistent process and be like, here's the monthly plan. Get it done. I don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to see it. Mm -hmm. I just want to pay you. (laughs) I just want to know that things are happening. Um, and I think that could be the way that 2023 is like, here's the content improvement plan every month. Now you just execute it the same way every month.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that's how it would be, you know, fairly passive, you have an operations person, and yep. you just you know I would I would maybe still check you know check in like every week at first like make sure For it's sure. going mm-hmm. on, and then slowly taper it down to like every two weeks,
1: She week It's it's nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's like whatever cadence you want, but I would say you know on this update here, can you can you go back and, and update it to? add the 4k in there and, you know, just note it maybe in like the earnings section,
1: just Mm, say like mm
0: -hmm. plus 4k. And that started at the beginning of the year. Is that right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. And I'll leave it up to you. But if you, if you were able to, to go back to the previous several updates, like each of the monthly updates, note that in there, you could even just put an asterisk, but change like this month, this year in the lifetime, where you just mm-hmm. increment it so it reflects that additional money. Cause mm-hmm. then, of course, instead of 5,700, you're sitting at, you know, just under 10K, 9,700. Mm-hmm. And that looks, well, it looks great for our headlines.
1: So well, that's what I, I think about. That's what I want for you. That is what <laughs> I want for you.
0: Yeah yeah so because you're right it is it is part of mm-hmm. i mean it's tied directly to the site, so it's mm-hmm. not even like you're doing some extra freelance work in something unrelated no, it's it's just like, it is it it is yep. from this effort so
1: and that's okay. what makes me think that there could be potential for you know things like a media kit, which I drafted this month um, to just do some things like that that might be more brand focused than SEO right. They would just be a little bit more income diversity as well. So we'll see.
0: All right. Well, I think that covers most everything. Any other thoughts here?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I'm hopeful that as we kind of go through summer and into Q3, it picks up a little bit. I'm happy. The traffic isn't going down anymore. Like the first couple of months of the year made me a little, a little weepy inside, Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just the broader relying on other people's systems. Like you said, with YouTube, like half my site income currently resides on Amazon. And if Amazon is seeing less sales, then so am I, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. So, um, yeah, I think the site itself is pretty healthy. I'm happy with the amount of content we got published last month and yeah, I think the team I have is, you know, going to be good going way past this year. So that's
0: positive. And remind me again, how many people do you have on the team right now? Um,
1: I think we have about five writers that we kept and a content manager and then a social email.
0: Okay, perfect. Okay, well, we'll link up so people can check out the blog posts, get a little bit more background. And yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up next month. Are you taking any uh time off for the summer or are you just plugging away and get the team rolling? I'm just
1: kinda plugging away. Yeah. Hmm? Plugging away. But uh I'm glad you're back to brewing.
0: Hmm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The beer, the beer should be ready in a couple weeks here. And um <laughs> yeah I'll build up the reserve. So and, and I think I think farther ahead too because I was like, okay, I got a couple summer beers that are brewing. But the winter beers are just around the corner, so I'm like, they how need to age you store a
1: little bit. beer. Like, if you if you make it today, how long are you able to drink it?
0: Well, a very how long, long it time. It, okay. so I I have uh, years. So I have okay. I actually have some bottles that are ten ish years old or so that I've made okay. myself. Actually, there's a couple that are like maybe close to. 15 when i very first started brewing and those are those are bottles so those are a little bit more finicky some of them may not have aged as well because i was just a young brewer but in the in the kegs and i have kegs behind me Uh over here so in kegs it's in stainless steel and then there's co2 that you pressurize it with and that's the carbonation of course and then it won't oxidize so Uh literally in the kegerator i have a beer that i think it's about five or six years old and i was like i need to finish that because i got all this new beer coming through Mm -hmm. and then there's a keg back there that i aged in a whiskey barrel from uh, actually a local bozeman distillery and it's four years old I, i think i made it like just before I, I uh, left. So
1: if you brew ahead, it's fine. You're not going to brew more than you can drink in
0: the amount of time that it's good. Yep, exactly right. And those, those higher alcohol beers, they take a little longer to make and it's good to age them a little bit. So there's a chance, you know, I brew a couple, you know, high alcohol, 10, 12% beers and, it's for next year it's like for winter of 2023 i'll get some for this season and a lot of times what i'll do is do a 10 gallon batch and then have like five gallons for this season and then save like five gallons for next year
1: okay Hmm. well if you haven't brewed in a while it's good to get ahead again
0: yeah yeah it's pretty fun Mm -hmm. pretty fun okay i could talk Hmm? all day about that but um, yeah we'll catch up with you in a few weeks
1: cool thanks doug
0: Be sure to check out the blog post over on Niche Site Project. There's a link in the show notes here. And one thing, I guess it maybe isn't obvious, but I'll point it out here. Because Christy and I have worked together for a while and I've interviewed her several times over the last couple of years, it's really cool to go back to some of the early interviews and hear how she's changed over time. Now, it is a large time commitment because, while well, each one of these updates and interviews, it's close to an hour. Even if you listen to it at 2x speed, it's uh, it's going to take you a little while to go through them. However, I do know as a podcast listener and I do know from talking to some of you out there in the audience that you can listen to a lot of podcasts, many hours over the course of just a week, because if you are able to listen during your either sort of downtime, maybe you're exercising or you're at the gym or when you're walking your dog, when you're commuting to the office, maybe you're going on a long road trip. Someone emailed me the other day. I forget your name um, off the top of my head. I want to say like Andy or Andrew could be totally off, but you were like, I'm going on a road trip. I'm going to be driving for you know 24 hours over the next week or so. And I got plenty of time to listen to podcasts. So anyway, it's very interesting. If you haven't checked out the full archive of Christie's updates, really interesting to go back through and hear how someone's progression uh, just grows over time uh, maybe that's redundant but how someone's journey and their outlook on what they're working on kind of shifts so very very interesting and it's i think even if you're experienced it's interesting to hear that change over time how someone views their business and how knowledgeable they are now versus what they were when they started with nothing so even if you're experienced that's cool if you're at the very beginning and maybe you're working on your first site or something like that. Maybe you haven't started your first site. It's very cool to hear someone start from ground zero and then kind of fast forward and you can see where they're at after three, three and a half years of working on something. I have a friend, Alan Donigan. He actually hosts a podcast called Rebel Entrepreneur and that is on my other podcast. Now it's a network. We have three shows, So it's actually becoming something a little bit bigger. So he has a show called Rebel Entrepreneur. It's all about starting a business without debt. Alan is financially independent. He and his wife basically retired a couple years ago. So he has a very cool story. The point is Alan does these case studies and there are many different kinds of businesses. So some are online, some are uh, you know, brick and mortar and physical businesses. Uh, for example, he coached someone that runs a food truck. But his whole goal is to help people grow their business, start a business without going into debt. One thing that Alan does, number one, he's a fantastic public speaker. He spent a lot of time in Toastmasters and you know practicing, talking to an audience, and really like just p- performing. He actually. Studied stand up comedy for a little while too and worked on that. But where he was in his life at the time, he wasn't able to pursue it full time. But the, the point is, he's a performer and a storyteller and a wonderful speaker. One thing that he's done on his podcast is to do a case study similar to what I'm doing with Christy or Ariel. And he's recording all of the episodes before he releases them. So for example, if I worked with Christie, I would record 12 months worth of updates. We do all of the shows. I would go and say, here's your assignment, go work on it. And she would work on it for a month, but he releases it Week over week, so it's kind of like a TV show. So he compresses a full year or year and a half into one quarter. So you get to hear it move at a much faster pace. And you know the downside is you have to plan so far ahead, and you're doing all this recording, and you're not releasing it for a little while. One of the dangers in this kind of industry of internet marketing and content websites. One of the risks is there's some timely things that we talk about. For example, in May of 2022, there was a Google algorithm core update, sort of a major update. Now Christie didn't have any specific impacts that we can tell, but it's something topical. And there are topical things that are kind of timely. So, When you hold back the episodes, sometimes there's information in there that maybe isn't accurate. Maybe it becomes out of date over the course of a couple months, which is kind of unfortunate. Like we want to have sort of evergreen information, but it's not always possible. Now we do what we can generally, but anyway, just wanted to make that, that point. Alan has these very cool case studies. I'll, I'll put a link in the description here so you can check out his show. He has like 160, 170 episodes, something like that. But yeah, we just we brought him onto the, uh, the network here. And well, while I'm telling you about it, I can quickly summarize why. He was on this other podcast network. It's called the Choose Phi uh, podcast and they have uh, they had a couple shows in addition to their main show they ran those other shows Alan had one of them um, there was another show on there too and basically the business model at choose FI changed so they were no longer able to support Alan's show, which didn't have any advertising it wasn't bringing in any revenue and they kind of shifted what they were doing so they decided to drop Alan and you know, they did a great job getting his show out. They helped him out for a couple years and, you know, everybody parted ways, uh, friends, everything's cool. Brad, and Jonathan are great. Uh, but I was able to help out with my partner, Carl Jensen, although I'm basically doing all of the back end stuff. Carl at this, uh, we kind of split our tasks. So at this point he's helping out a ton with scheduling. He has a lot of contacts and, in the industry that we're working in, personal finance and financial independence. So anyway, Carl works a ton on that area in hooking up interviews and then you know setting things up as far as getting bigger names. And then I am doing a lot of the, the back end infrastructure and admin stuff. And I have all the systems and, and that sort of thing. So I'm working on that area. So Anyway, Carl and I have this network. We don't know what's going to happen exactly, but it's kind of cool. So total tangent there, but I'll put a link. So check out the Rebel Entrepreneur out there. And if you have questions for Christy for the next update, you can leave those comments over on the YouTube channel if you want, or you can shoot me an email, feedback at Show and just let me know that you have a question for Christy, and I can... Uh, ask the next time around. So thanks a lot. We'll catch you on the next episode. And I got a couple interesting ones coming up. I I think the next, yeah, the next episode is going to be from, it's an update from Bennett, the college student who just graduated and he actually increased his earnings quite a bit since the last time we talked to him. Pretty dramatic and essentially making like a full-time income. You know, there's a little up and down and I'm not sure where he's at, you know, right right this second, but he got a huge boost in earnings, kind of ridiculous. And the big story is he has been using and experimenting with some AI tools which I think he even described as kind of a glorified article spinner. Now, he wasn't talking about one of the bigger ones out there, but kind of a smaller one that isn't as sophisticated. And I think they they say as much, but he's been experimenting with kind of this other AI tool of which there's many out there, but he he tells us exactly which one he's using. The crazy thing is he's been able to rank within like a month on a brand new site. It's absolutely... Kind of crazy. I don't think he's getting a ton of traffic, but it is ranking on a brand new website, newly registered domain, publishing, it's ultra long tail keywords. So keep that in mind. It's not a ton of traffic, but he's able to rank with essentially just straight up AI content. And he has kind of a plan on how he's going to approach it. So that's the next episode coming up in a few days here. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Have a good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.